Hello and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. Fidelity VP and lead portfolio strategist Paul Ma is back on the program to discuss where we are in the business cycle, how to approach your portfolio construction in today's market environment, and how the remainder of the summer might shape up for the equity markets. Paul suggests we need to see core inflation come down a little bit more, even though headline CPI is down a lot already, about 3% at the moment. In terms of the business cycle, we're in the late cycle in the U.S. Down the line, high interest rates will cause a slowing down of the economy. Paul says it's not a question of if a recession will happen, but rather how long it will take to get there. Paul adds investing in quality names could work in this space and avoid looking at companies with a risky balance sheet. He points out less quality nature companies get swept up when interest rates are high. Please note Paul refers to a few slides that were shown live during the show. This podcast was recorded on August 9th, 2023. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada, ULC, or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy or endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. Just in terms of inflation, by the time we get to Jackson Hole, by the time we get to September, rate moves, what do we sort of need to be watching for, I guess? Yeah, we need to see inflation, uh, the core inflation, which is still a little bit high, core CPI, right? come down a little bit more. Uh, the headline CPI is down a lot already, about you know, uh, 3% right now or so. So we, we need to see a quarter come down a little bit more to get that comfortable. The more comfortable they are, the more comfortable the market will be. So interesting. Okay, so I always enjoy asking you, I enjoy asking lots of people where we are in the business cycle, but you in particular. So let's get into the business cycle, where we are. Um, did we kind of discount the recession already? Like, are we are we into the next early stage? Tell us where we stack up here. I think you have a chart. Yeah, let's take a look at that chart right here. Um, we're still in the light blue circle in the U.S., the, the late cycle. Um, and that's where we are deciding whether we're going to recession or not. And um, the late cycle, you'll see... Uh, the typical thing about inflation cycles, there's inflation, right? There's Federal Reserve raising rate of fight inflation. And um, the question is that, you know, people think, well, maybe re- there's no recession right now. But, but sometime, I mean, it, down the line, perhaps, that, that the high interest rates are going to cause some a slowing down of the economy. But that's a question, right? It's, uh, it's, uh, we're, we're just, it's, it's not a, a question of, um, you know, there's no recession. It's a question of, you know, how long would it take to get there, right? So, so that's where we are in late cycle. And uh, the investing uh, paradigm in late cycle is that you still you want to be invested, really, right? And that, um, uh, you know, so that's what uh, where we are. We're, yeah. uh, but the investing in sort of quality names is, is kind of what we recommend in, in this space as business cycle. Right. And, and that's because 
you know, the quality names ultimately will will hold up. And if there's a recession, is that that sort of how, how yeah, you, you can see, right? The, the names that have a, ca a lot of cash on their balance sheet, like Microsoft, Apple, right? Um, they're doing just fine. Right. But the ones that sort of uh, have balance sheet issues that's hidden, whether it be First Republic or Silicon Valley Bank, right? Less quality names, shall we say, right? Get swept away in this part of the cycle where, uh, you know, interest rate is high, something will break. The ones with bad balance sheets usually break. So quality so, name, the lakes and river you're used to. Okay, okay, so this this is where I wanna get into this stuff. So it's fascinating though that, you know, we're, we seem to be having a big discussion about breadth in the equity markets. There's no question that there's, okay, the tech darlings have taken off, the Magnificent Seven and so on, but we're expecting breadth, or at least that seems to be the consensus view. Um, so why not go there yet? Why not go to the next equity players yet? I mean, is that what you're saying? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is that what you're saying? Stick yeah. with the quality? Yeah, absolutely. There, there are laggers that are still quality that we can sort of put money into, right? For example, I'll say JP Morgan has lagged, but then it's a quality name that we can put money into, right? So it's broadening from the top 10 names that are usually tech, that are two more, say, large cap value, right, inside that. That's really good. Small cap, there are quality names there as well, but just want to stick to the quality theme, not, not go for ones that has risky balance sheets or, or things that can really be affected by this high interest rate. That's gonna, interest rate uh, uh, transmission mechanism takes a couple quarters to get to the real economy. So this five, six percent interest rate, Fed funds rate will have impact. So something else will break, right? But just to stick with the, the quality name still. When we go back in time, you go back to when uh, Volcker was the head of the Fed. Uh, there are a fair number of comparisons being made there. Um, what What do you think we need to know about, you know, the history of how central banks have plowed through similar inflationary cycles? Yeah, uh, the slide two is a perfect illustration. Now, um, Paul, uh, Jerome Powell said he wants the Paul Volcker. That's why Paul Volcker study Paul Paul Volcker did is so important, right? So Paul Volcker was chairman from 79 to 87. In 1979, he jacked up the Fed funds rate all the way to 11%, right? And that, uh, how, how, how bad did the stock market do that year? If you believe people on TV says that interest rate goes up, you know, stock market go down. Well, that year, if you look at this chart right here, was up 12% in the bottom, uh, top is the Fed funds rate, bottom is the S&P 500. In 1980, he jacked the rate all the way to 14%, right? Did, was that stock market apocalypse? No, the stock market was up 25% that year, right? In fact, I think 80s and 90s are two most glorious decades for stock market returns, barely any red, lots of green, right? Why? Because the Fed has got ahead of the curve, takes fighting inflation seriously. And so what that means is that a lot of people tell you that, oh, you gotta wait until maybe the Fed will raise a few more, Raise a few more times, right? We got to stay stand on the sideline until they're done, until they cut. No nonsense. But he has proven in history that when Fed raises rate to take inflation fighting seriously, stock market doing just they're just fine. So that's sort of the, the key thing. What happened last year is that we had a that um, was behind the curve, right? They were uh, inflation was raging and they were just starting to raise rate. But right now. Uh, the market is doing well because they're getting ahead of the curve. Inflation is falling. They're, 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 they're winning the battle inflation. So they're not going to cut anytime soon. I don't think they want to make sure the inflation stay low for a while. 
before they actually consider any changes in that policy. Do we get into this discussion of sort of what's sticky, what's harder to fight with this particular tool, the blunt instrument and so on? What What is stickier? It's the labor market? Yeah, so uh, the two sticky part, a couple of sticky part, right? Shelter prices, which is uh, how much rent you pay. You, you could put a rent agreement for one year. It takes a while before to readjust, right? So that's kind of sticky, but we're seeing the sort of a rent coming down a bit, right? So that should, that's the 30, 40% of, of uh, CPI of inflation numbers. So that should help bring some of the core CPI down the next few months. So that's, that's good news, right? But the wage inflation is one where um, the, the people getting paid for, for a shortage of labor, that's, that's a bigger discussion about demographics. A lot of retirees not coming back to work. Baby boomers are retiring, so we don't have enough workers uh, right now. Job opening is record high. But if that's the case, then pressure on wages to increase, so track worker to work will happen. And that contribute to the service uh, inflation, part of core inflation as well. So that's something that the Fed is still uncomfortable about, and they want to keep, keep pressing the, uh, uh, you know, pressing the inflation rate increase due to fight inflation, make sure that the wage inflation doesn't get out of control. Right. Do we have to have a recession? Um, in some way, we had two negative uh, GDP quarter last year, actually. So we already had that sort of a mini recession, according yeah. to definition of inflation, recession, right? And we can have a soft recession to this year. Yeah, of course, can be a really soft one, right? So do we have to have a recession? It's it's a historical pattern from late cycle when Fed raises interest rate, eventually get a recession somehow. That's just a pattern, right? So we, uh, in history, it's hard to say this time is a little bit different. Maybe it's a little different. I mean, I can tell you a few things are different. Why we might not have a recession because uh, we, we suffered through a lot of um, crises before, like financial crisis made the bank stronger. COVID crisis made us uh, uh, supply chain uh, more flexible. So, so what doesn't kill you, make you stronger. So we're in better shape. Consumers are healthier, better savings. Corporations have better resiliency, all that, right? So we're better prepared for this time. So. You know, maybe a really soft, uh, soft landing that could, that's possible because this time may be a little bit different, but there's a pattern from late cycle recession that, that we just go through that every time. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. It really is. Um, uh, it's just, you know, cause some, you hear so many different voices on this. So it's, it's good to get your, your sense of how we do this. Um, in terms of hedging assets against inflation, I mean, you know, we were talking a lot about commodities last year to fight inflation and, you know, they did the job to an extent. Now, now we seem to be in a different time. But but ultimately, what, what do we need to know about sort of inflation growth um, surprises to an extent, but also what hedges best against some version of ongoing inflation, if you believe that's what we've got? Yeah, so the inflation fight is now over. That's the main message I want to deliver here, right? Uh, so let's take a look at slide number three. We actually have a you know a asset class study here that you can handle any types of uh, environment you're in. So if you look at the bottom of the chart right here, you have the uh, consumer discretionary that on the left hand chart you have the their sensitivity to uh, inflation surprises, the blue bars, right hand side is to, to growth, economic growth surprises, right? So green bars. So consumer discretionary really doesn't like inflation because you spend more money on uh um, your gasolines or food, things like that. You have less money for that discretionary Bahama vacation, right? Um, but the right-hand side shows that consumer discretionary really likes economic growth so that there's money in your pocket to spend on discretionary items. 
the top of the chart, you have commodities that really likes inflation uh, on the left-hand chart, but the right-hand chart requires economic growth for it to work because these are consumable commodities like oil, copper, that uh, you need economic growth to, to drive, drive cars, drive more cars, or um, uh, remodel your home with copper wires, right? Whereas the next line, gold, is let's say you, uh, Fed raises rate to fight inflation, but drives it into recession, right? Well, inflation is still there in recession. The next line, gold, is where gold will shine, then flex stagflation environment, right? And a lot of people ask me, how come gold didn't work last year? Well, we had inflation last year, but economic growth. So commodity worked and gold didn't work. And in fact, one of the common mistake of investors make is that they, they only focus on left hand chart and say, oh, there's inflation, I buy commodity and gold. No, 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 you gotta look at a right hand chart where is there economic growth or not, right? And that would drive whether, um, whether it's commodity or gold. And if the Fed successfully bring inflation down, right, and um, uh, causes a soft landing, right, take a look at that infotech. Tech loves low inflation, a high economic growth. That's the scenario we're in this year. That's why tech is outperforming, right? Uh, so that's where we are. But what if Fed actually bring, this, bring inflation down and drives into recession? Take a look at the Treasury bond. That has not worked this year because we don't have recession, right? But we, if we enter recession, boy, Treasury bond and low inflation, Treasury bond will work really well. Now, so print this page out and tape out to your table, right? Because it, this has, chart has carried us through the last two years really, really well. Um, and this year, if you look at the chart, okay, got it. Low inflation is coming down. There's economic growth. Let's just buy tech all day long. You got right. it. That's what, historically, that's what's, what's going on. That's fascinating. It's fascinating how it sort of, you know, literally mirrors what we've seen as well. Um, there have been drawdowns in the S&P uh, for sure. Uh, do you think that, that alts, there have been a ton of alts that somewhat are allowed now, so that sort of helped make that more prevalent. But again, as a little bit of a either to, to sort of stave off the drawdown concern, maybe of a recession, maybe, as you said, a very soft recession, like, where do you think the alts need to be in, in someone's portfolio? Like who needs to consider that strategy? Yeah, so if you're thinking that, my goodness, uh, there's gonna be, if the inflation start ticking up, right? Like last year, we had this inflation environment where stocks and bonds, neither one of them worked. Right. right? You gotta look for asset classes. Commodity is one of them, right? But also the other that really al allows you to diversify your portfolio. So let's look at next chart, slide number four. Uh, but not all alts are created equal. Okay. So think about this. Uh, some alts are, are for, um, enhanced return, like private equities, right? Uh, some are for income for like private debt. Um, some of them are for diversification for hedging. And here we have a bunch of hedge funds that's in liquid forms, um, that is available to a lot of investors. Um, uh, but look at this chart right here, right? You have the, uh, you know, just the, the four periods when um, the, the uh, S&P 500 had drawdowns, bad times, right? And these are correlations during those bad times. You want correlation to be below during bad time. A lot of times people look at correlation overall. That's not very useful. Correlation, when you really need it, is when you, what's really special. So the two categories that really jumped out last year that had a negative correlation, right, is equity market neutral, and systematic trends. See those uh, blue bars, dark blue bars going down negative with something that zigs, 
one equity market zag, right? So, so if you think those two categories, equity market mutual forces uh, long short to be balanced instead of, uh, so this way that uh, it's not uh, related to market, right? It really showed up, uh, show, showed up last year being average category return were positive. And systematic trends are managed futures that follows momentum, right? Whatever worked last six months or something like, you should keep buying those because you think they should work. Well, last year it worked out great. Average return that category was around 20% positive uh, because we had stocks going down, that's a trend. Bond went down as well, uh, that's a trend. Currency went up and then uh, a commodity went up. So four trend that a lot of these managed future captures. So, so this is a cat, uh, so when, when you think, well, what do I do if last year happened again? Here's your answer. So, so that is fascinating. So we're in, I mean, this is where sometimes people start to use the term normalization. Like there's just more normalization. Um, it's, it's possible that you can protect against things. And it takes us into the discussion really of the 60-40, um, you know, exactly how that works. Is, is the 60-40 normal? <laughs> Do we call that normalization? Does that fit with that kind of discussion of interest rates being yeah. higher and they're off basically zero? Yeah, 60-40, guys, is not dead, all right, despite what you hear on TV. Let's take a look at slide number five. See why 60-40 is so, in, in, in my word, awesome, right, the last two yeah. decades. Let's take a look at that. Um, so 60-40 uh, on slide five, you can see the first line you have 60% S&P uh, 500, 40% Barclay aggregate. That line, the last two decades, returned about 6% return. Um, with a volatility or standard deviation about 9%. And that gives you a risk-reward or a return minus, minus risk-free rate divided by volatility, if you sharp ratio, 0.55, right? If that's the highest among all the other uh, sort of combinations, so to speak, right? And that's great risk-reward. In fact, if you go to slide number three, 100% S&P 500, 100% equity, you get slightly slide higher. Slide three is the inflation hedging one. Is that, is that what we're going back to? Well, sorry, uh, line number three. Line number three. Oh, line number three, excuse me. Thank Go you ahead. for correcting me. So line number right. three, you have 100% equity, uh, S&P 500, that returned 8%, so slightly higher return than 60-40, right? But yeah. the volatility, look at that. 15% lot higher volatility. Huge. Yeah, so the risk-reward, therefore, is a lot lower at 0.46, right? So the reason why 60-40 it's so great is that uh, it, it really is better risk reward, it's a smoother rise so that uh, usually, right, uh, in the last two decades, except for last year a little, little bit, that it usually goes down a lot less so your clients can call you up and say, uh, you know, I want to get out because the market is down so much. Um, and that, that sort of hedging effect is what um, makes 60-40 so great. Keep investors invested through the market, right? So people always ask me a question, Paul, we know that stock market outperformed bond, so we just buy 100% stock all the time. Well, because the market like last year or 2020 in March and stuff, people just panic and sell out, and that make them uninvested, and they don't get back in until market is making a, a new high again, right? So that's uh, they well, a lot of people money. felt that this year, didn't they? Yeah. So yeah. tell us a little bit about uh, the idea of the Fed. Holding. Okay, so we're at the level that we're at right now, and you know this goes for the Bank of Canada as well and, and other central banks. But but we'll talk about the Bank of Canada and the Fed because because this is the world we live in. <laughs> um, what about if they hold, hold, hold? Is that 
I mean, that probably means that the economy is okay, right? I mean, it, that, that's, that's a good scenario, again, for equities. I think that's a great scenario. I think um, uh, the Fed holding means that they're not letting, uh, let's go back to slide number two, type of what happens to another Fed chairman. That's something that uh, Jerome Powell does not want to become. His name was Arthur Byrne, right? He was a Fed chairman back in the 70s. So notice the 70s is on the top chart, you have Fed, Arthur Byrne raising rate and cutting it, raising rate and cutting it. You, it I call him the yo-yo chairman, the yo-yo up and down, up and down. And that in the 70s, look at the bottom chart. It's one of the worst decade for stock market performance because he did not get the, stock, uh, the, the inflation under control. So what Jerome Powell learned from that chart is that you keep that steady at 5 5 6%, right? Don't cut it until you know inflation is completely defeated, maybe by next year sometime, right, before you cut. And usually they will cut probably if there's a real bad recession. So that's their sort of uh, a stimulus, with uh, the stimuli coming back to life, right? So I don't think they'll cut unless there's a real bad recession. So you should expect five, six percent for a while. So that's my thought. And that's, that's against this, against consensus on TV, right? They say, oh, they're going to cut this and that. They've been saying that for a while on TV. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. They don't want to compete. Jerome Powell does not want to become the yo-yo chairman. You know you're on TV right now. You know that you are on TV right now. Oh, <laughs> I'm... <laughs> That that is right. I don't need that. So <laughs> let's do. Um, you <laughs> listen to me, but not, um, okay. Let's do the if then. So so if ultimately this goes back to one of your charts as well, but I just want to kind of get it in our heads here. So if inflation stays, I don't know, up at whatever, say three percent or something. Therefore, what is a good situation. If we see it go even higher, do we go back to the commodities? Like, let's go through sort of the if this, then this. <laughs> Can you take yeah. us through that? Slide number three. Let's uh, let's go through the scenarios, right? Uh, so we have, uh, so again, so, so the key thing right now, right, we have these good inflation numbers coming down, right? That's good, right? But it's based, some part of it is based on the base effect. Last year, uh, around like uh, this last year, first half, Inflation was raging, right? So uh, year on year, that number should be lower. So we have the base effect, okay? But second half, we don't have the base effect anymore. But second half, remember last year, inflation started coming down, right? Second half a little bit. So second half, we don't have the base effect anymore. So there's a risk that might, the headline, for example, might take up from 3%, 3.4, 3.5. But don't panic. That's still okay. It's all about the base, right? It's, uh, Megan Trainer's song, right? It's, it's yeah. all about a base, so don't panic about that. But uh, the core CPI, however, you're hoping that will come down. So for, keep your eyes on core CPI. If it goes down from 4.8% down to 4.5, et cetera, that will make everyone really happy, right? So that's where you're gonna monitor. But that, so with those, but that we don't know, right? Forecasting is very hard. So, but this playbook right here is what you tape on your desk, right? If you tape this on your desk for the last two years, you've been doing You've been doing it like a champ, right? You're saying, oh my goodness, high inflation and the economic growth, high commodities, first line right there. High inflation, oh my goodness, economic recession, right? Buy gold, next line, right? Uh, oh, inflation is coming down, what's this year, right? Uh, there's economic growth, stick with tech, right? Um, if inflation uh, is, is low and we go to recession, treasury bonds. So we got all four scenarios mapped out for you right here. So don't think too much, right? Investing is about 
taking advantage of these historical patterns to get the odds to be in your favor so you can be the house in Vegas. Fantastic. I love that. Beat the house in Vegas. So, okay, just for those that either got burned or watched, you know, with a little bit of horror from the sidelines when we saw the correlation, the 60-40 breakdown, and we did, we saw we saw bonds not working, we saw equities not working, there, there was sort of that feeling of nowhere hide. Um, it, it makes you want to go back and say, well, what would cause that again? I mean, you know, in what case could that happen again? Because it's in recent history. Yeah, so let me keep it simple for the audience right here. Yeah. It's all about inflation. Everything else is noise. The war, the bank failure, COVID, they're all noise, okay? But think about when core CPI peaked last year and started coming down. It peaked around September last year, started coming down in October of last year, right? That's core CPI, not headline. Headline would have peaked in July. Core CPI, that's the one that, that cares about. Now, when the stock market bottom and start picking up last year. Oh, that was October. September? Yeah, and October picking up, right? Do you think that's a coincidence that inflation, no. literally, that, that's a correlation there? Is, is it a coincidence? No, it's not, right? The Fed cares about inflation. We care about the Fed. That's it. So we should care about inflation. It's that simple. Everything else, just sort of like, uh, it's fun to talk about, but they're just, uh, they're, they're fluffed. So interesting. So we're actually, we're not going to get into sort of the factor discussion right now. We might save that for when we speak to you next, but just give us a little bit of a taster. Like, again, here we are in the markets. Inflation is the most important thing. Are there certain factors that you just want to remind people at this point in the business cycle, as you pointed out, just, you know, the type of thing you might want to watch even yeah, for later so, down the road. So remember, right, the factors that work in late cycle are things like quality names. Quality name, where it's again, it's the rivers and lakes you're used to. Quality name could be Microsoft and Apple, but it could also be JP Morgan, right? Uh, um, so these are our quality name without cash on the balance sheet. So when you brought industrials, industrials, industrial, the quality industrial names, make sure that it's not time to go chase waterfall names that are risky. Oh, I think I'm, I feel lucky by some regional banks or by some uh, low quality tech name, this and that, with no earnings, this and that. It, those things are, those waterfall names, chase them in early cycle. We're not there. We're not, this is not early cycle, right? Don't go chasing the waterfall. Stick to the rivers and lakes you're used to. You have followed them at my mind for the last two years and stuff, you were them just fine, right? But again, it's not just my advice, it's TLC's advice as well. So just listen to the song, keep the song in your mind and stuff you know how to, how to invest in this market. Um, Paul, I think any, okay, I think you, you've really sort of set us up for what everyone needs to be remembering at this point in the market. Thank you very, very much for joining us. And uh, we look forward to getting a bit of an update from you in, uh, I was gonna say the lakes and rivers ahead, but in, in the weeks ahead. So Paul Mall, thank you very much for joining us. Have a great rest of your summer. Thank you, Pamela. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. Fidelity mutual funds and ETFs are available by working with a financial advisor or through an online brokerage account. Visit fidelity.ca slash how to buy for more information. While visiting fidelity.ca, you can also find information on future live webcasts. 
And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again. See you next time.